If you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19, page 538. We've been studying this psalm over the last month, and we're going to finish it up this morning. Psalm chapter 19. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. A while back, I read an article in Christianity Today magazine that kind of made me smile. It was about some Christian natives in the Amazon, I think the area of Peru called the Bora people. And these tribal groups, they've not known the Lord for a very long time. Just one generation ago, they were fearful, aggressive. They were worshipers of idols and, and demons. They also ate people. All their contacts with the outside world, it was marked with violence. But today, 65% of the people have been transformed by Jesus Christ. The men treat their wives and their children with more respect and with more love. Not that they're perfect by any means, but clearly the Holy Spirit is at work in 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 these, these groups. A few years ago, an anthropologist visited the Bora people and he started criticizing the missionaries that had been there before. He said, Christianity is okay for the white man, but your people should go back to your old religion and your old ways. An annoyed Bora church leader who remembered the former days looked at the anthropologist and replied, yes, and if we did, you'd be the first one in the pot. (laughs) But thankfully, he wasn't in the pot, and that's because of the work of the Lord. In the lives of this people, 65% 
of this, these, this people group have given their lives to the Lord. What an amazing thing. Only the Lord could do something like this. This is what we've been talking about and what we looked at, that, that incredible truth last week of the power of God's Word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. We talked last time about each of these. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can take God's Word and like a sword, apply it exactly where it needs to go. Not only to convict, to show us our sin, to correct us, but also to encourage us and to bless us. The Holy Spirit wants us to live our lives for the, the glory of God. That's what this, this whole chapter is about. And, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to accomplish that. You know, it's, it's, it's wonderful that, that so many of us grew up in, in, in a community where the Word of God was, was held up and, and was seen as so important. Um, emphasized in this church over the years. Um, Sunday school, Bible studies, um, family devotions at home, and, and for many, even Christian, uh, Christian school. All ways where God's Word has been opened up and, and shown to us so that we could see and see the world around us and, and, and give us a framework by which we can see ourselves, see others, but also the world we live in. D.L. Moody, he said once in a message, we were given Scripture for our in, not for our information, but for our transformation. I think that's so true. We forget that sometimes. Back in the days before electricity, a tight-fisted old farmer was giving his hired man a hard time for taking a lighted lantern and, and going courting to go see his favorite girl. What a waste of lamp oil, the old farmer said. Why, he exclaimed, when I was courting, I never carried a lantern. I always went in the dark. Yes, the hired man responded, and look at what you got. <laughs> I'm sorry for that one. <laughs> but God's Word has the power to correct our vision and open our eyes and it enables us to see the truth, the truth about sin, our, our, our truth, the truth about needing Jesus as our, our Lord and Savior, that only through Jesus Christ can our sins be forgiven, can we receive the gift of eternal life. That's why David praises God in verse 10, and he says, God's word is to be desired more than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Or how about what the psalmist says in, in chapter 119, verse 54. Your statutes have been my song. Think about that. 
your statutes, your, your word, your, the law, Scripture has been my song, has given me a, a, a reason to praise the Lord. A month or so ago, I was watching a, a documentary on, on TV. It was about living in India and the different caste systems that, that exist there. And apparently one of the castes is just to sweep the streets. And the most desired place to sweep is in the gold district, apparently where they make all the gold jewelry, earrings, necklaces. Um, they do a lot of carving on, on gold, and so you can just imagine how those little pieces of gold tend to get all over the place. Well, when these workers, when they go on break, or when they go home at the end of the day, what do you normally do? You stand up and you brush yourself off. Sometimes, though, you don't do the best job, and so you're standing outside when you brush yourself off. And those little flecks of gold, they fall to the ground. And you can barely see them because they're so small. And not just right in front of these shops, but in the entire area. And so these sweepers, they come and they sweep all this dirt and the sand up. And then when they get a good pile of it, they melt it down, and they actually find gold in it. They're able to find enough gold to actually support their families and put food on the tables, which is really kind of amazing. And apparently the gold that is most desirable was the gold that was coming from the, the finest shops that had the higher quality of the gold. And, and, and if you found more of that, you'd receive more money from the buyers, which were the ones making the jewelry. This is how David speaks of the Word of God. He saw it as, as being so important for our Christian lives that it's to be desired more than gold, even much pure gold. How do you increase the pureness of gold? You put it through the fire again and again and again. And as it goes through that fire, the impurities are, are skimmed off. And, and after many times of being in the fire, that's when you get that, that, that quality gold that, that goes for such a high price. Is that how you treasure your Bibles? Is that how you treasure God's Word? As being more important to you than even gold? Gold something that people will do, do almost anything for here on, on earth. Are your Bibles more important than even the finest gold? Or let me put it another way. Is, it, is God's Word to you sweeter than honey? Now since I've never been a big fan of honey, I started thinking about Mackinac Island fudge, so you just have to bear with me. So you get a piece of Mackinac Island fudge, and it's got to be just chocolate, right, Arla? No nuts, no nothing else in it, just chocolate. What happens when you cut that little piece off? Ah, oh, it tastes so good, right? You walk away, and it's in your mouth, and you savor it, and it's like, oh, this, this is great, this is delicious. And then what's your next thought? I really want another piece of that. Just, just a little piece, right? And before you know it, your Mackinac Island fudge is gone. Is that how it is for you as you go to God's Word each day? Is it sweeter than honey 
the promises, the truth that you find there, as we learn about God, as we learn about God's will for our lives, as the Holy Spirit takes those words and applies it exactly where it needs to go in our lives and our hearts. God's Word, it not only does it encourage us, but it, it, it points out to us where we need to change. Things in our lives that need to go. But it's a pleasure to do those to do those things because Scripture says in our passage that the blessings will be ours. The blessings will abound that God fills His people's lives with. But the opposite is true as well. When, when, when you don't know the Word, when it doesn't fill your heart and it doesn't fill your mind and it's only something you think about on Sunday, you're going to struggle. Life is going to be hard because we need the instructions, right? We need God's Word. And it's got to be something that we daily apply to our lives, not just on Sundays, but each day so that we might grow in our faith. If only people loved God's Word like they used to. But we know that's not as true anymore. We can see it in the world around us, but sadly, sometimes I think we can see it in our own lives. We just don't spend enough time with the Lord. Oh, We do things for the Lord. We want to serve the Lord, and, and sometimes, especially with our, our, our cultural background, we almost think that's the most important thing, is those things that you do for the Lord. That's not what the Bible teaches, though. The most important thing is your relationship with the Lord. And out of that relationship, that's when we serve. And when we do that, that's when we, we grow. That's when we bless others. That's when God is glorified in our lives. You know, sadly, I think sometimes we approach God's Word as like going to a, a, one of those buffets at a, at a restaurant. What normally do you go for when you go to a buffet? The things that look good, right? You can tell I'm hungry this morning, maybe. But, but you focus on the things that look good. Now for me, what always looks good is the meat. The chicken, the roast beef, whatever it is. That's what I gravitate toward most of the time. But then I have to put a little salad on my plate, otherwise my wife gets upset. But, I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry I'm picking on you too. <laughs> but we choose the things that look good, that appeal to us. We don't always go to a buffet and say, well, you know what, I, I, better, I, I better get some lima beans, I better get some Brussels sprouts, I better get some broccoli. All three of those I, I can't stand. But, so I never touch them, but still, you're not thinking about your health, you're not thinking about having a balanced meal, you're looking at what's appealing in that buffet bar. And, and that's what you choose. 
And I think sometimes we do the same thing when it comes to God's Word. We choose what seems appealing to us. We choose the things that we like. I like this one, and I like that one over here, and I like this one. But it doesn't work that way, does it? We're called to accept all the truths that God gives us. The entire word. Not just pieces of it, not just the ones that we like, but all of God's word. We need to cherish it. And we need to allow it to become part of our lives, part of our hearts. We need to fill our minds with it. We need to meditate on it. We need to allow God's Word to change us. The other day I was driving to the Sioux on uh, 75 and they've got all that construction now. And I remember getting to that point where the two lanes merge into one and some young guy sped up and drove, was driving right in my blind spot. And uh, he wouldn't slow down, he wouldn't speed up, and so I had to slow way down, and I remember being a little annoyed. But I was so thankful that the truck I have right now tells me when there's somebody in your blind spot, it, the, the truck actually beeps. We have a lot of blind spots in our lives, don't we? Things that we can't see even. Hidden sins. Maybe sins that we don't even realize we're doing. And that's why we need God's Word to open our eyes and to see those things, even the hidden things, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us so that our lives are pleasing to the Lord, so that we're living for His honor and glory. Like I said, the best thing the Word, the Word of God does for us is tell us how to be saved. That through Jesus Christ, all your sins are forgiven. All your sins. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's in your past. They're forgiven in Jesus. What an amazing thing. What an amazing gift that, that we've been given. You know, everything in the Old Testament, it, it, it points to that. Right away after sin came into the world, what did God do is He enact, enacted the plan of salvation. We see it in the garden in, in, in Genesis 3. The whole Testament prepares the world for Jesus' coming. The New Testament, it tells us how to live, how to be saved. Now that Jesus is here, what an amazing gift that in Jesus our sins are forgiven. And without the Word, how can we know? We talked the, the, the first time how the, the, the glory of God is revealed in creation around us, and it points us to God. But we need God's Word to tell us how to be saved. It tells us how important Jesus is. How we need to invite Him into our hearts into our lives. And thankfully, we don't even have to do it on our own. But He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So how do you, how do you respond to this glory of God being revealed 
in creation as well as through the Word. How do we express that glory through our lives? David prays at the end of this psalm. He says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my, my redeemer. David knows it's going to be tough. This isn't an easy thing that we're talking about. This is a daily struggle, a daily fight, but a fight that we can win when we stand in Christ, when we stand upon the rock, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He enables us to do what we could never do on our own. The ceiling of the Sistine Chapel is one of the greatest artistic triumphs in history. It took Michelangelo four years to paint the fall and the the flood on on the ceiling of, of the chapel. But apparently Michelangelo's uh, painting um, soon after this started to fade probably because of the oil lamps they used, fires, that sort of thing. Within a century of completing his work, no one remembered what the original fresco really looked like. I mean, it was there. They could see it. One person described it as seeing it through like stained glass. It just was smoky and smeared and nothing was vibrant anymore. And so in 1981, a scaffold was erected to clean the frescoes that adorned the chapel. And with special solution, they gently washed a small corner of the painting to see what would happen, I guess. They invited art experts to, to come and examine what they had done. And the result was stunning. No one had imagined that beneath centuries of grime lay such vibrant colors. This was not the Michelangelo Michelangelo known by the critics, but this was a master of form and colors, colors like they hadn't seen before, azure and green, rose and lavender, as well as others. Their success prompted the restoration of the entire ceiling. And that task was completed in 1989. It took Michelangelo only four years to paint that, but it took eight years to, to clean it. But the, the end result was, was breathtaking. For the first time in 500 years, people viewed the masterpiece the way that Michelangelo wanted and intended it to be seen in all its color and beauty. Restoring our God's handiwork in us. We're all His masterpiece. Restoring us to our our, our beauty is the work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Cleansing our hearts, our minds, every part of us. And the Holy Spirit won't let us be, but keeps at us and keeps at us. And when He sees grime and filth and things starting to build up, He begins that process of of cleaning once again. All made possible through the blood of Jesus. 
You see, before God's glory can be seen in us, we've got to take care of that problem called sin. We need to begin to live out the words that, that we see in, in, in the Bible. And they have to get not just up here into our minds, but they need to get down here into our hearts. We need to allow the Word to change us. And we begin to, when we begin to change, that's when things are different. That's when we see a difference in our marriages. That's when we see a difference in our families. That's when we have a witness for the world around us. Because they'll see the difference in you. Just like that painting on that ceiling as God cleanses us and restores us and makes us beautiful. Everything about us should appeal and point to Him, point to Jesus. Our children, our families, our marriages should all point to Him. This morning, if you're faithfully spending time in God's Word each day, I encourage you, keep it up. But if this is an area that you're not doing so well in, I encourage you to make it a a holy habit. A holy habit that's so important. If we want to grow in our faith, it's not going to happen without it. Because only when the Lord is Lord of your heart Will He be Lord of your life as well? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word, for all that it means to us. Thank You for the power it has to change us through Your your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, when Lord, our love for, for You, our love for Your Word, it's not always so evident. It shows in our lives. It shows in our devotions. And we just ask Your forgiveness. And we just pray, Lord, that You will restore us. Jesus, we just pray that You might cleanse each one of us so that we might reflect You to the world around us. And if there's anyone here this morning who's not yet asked You, Jesus, to be their Lord and Savior, I pray that they might do that now so You can begin that good work. Thank you for your love for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.